Hey everyone, welcome back to the Fieldcraft Survival Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin. And uh, today I'm sitting down with Kyle Morgan. So I've been gotten, you know, we teased this a little while ago and I've been getting a lot of uh, emails and DMs and stuff asking me when this is going to drop. So here we are. Kyle is a special operations guy who came in the army after 9-11 and a really interesting career, had a lot of, of combat time. But basically in 2015, Kyle was in Mali on a, a, a mission basically. And uh, the Radisson Blue was attacked by uh, terrorists, affiliates of Al Qaeda. And Kyle had to respond and go in there and rescue a bunch of people. And this story has never been told. So Kyle, welcome to the Fieldcraft Survival Podcast. All right, Kevin, thank you very much. And thank, thank you, Fieldcraft Survival for having me. And I'm really looking forward to, um, you know, this, this next mission or next journey in my life and you know telling my story is a big part about how i uh i think my my new my new mission or new purpose in life is is, is using my experiences good and bad and 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 telling a story about what a human being can do for another you know and and potentially you know the aftermath if you can you know um not process it or or how you kind of deal with with something that's so dynamic as that that hotel attack i mean my mission wasn't wasn't to go rescue people for that it was to work at the uh, usmc bomico as a special forces soldier on a dod mission advising the ambassador mm -hmm. the u.s ambassador so for me it was it was a very um i had no time to prepare my mind body and spirit for violence which mm -hmm. we did a really good job of wouldn't you say you had 20 years in the military to prepare your mind, body, and spirit for violence? I, and I your training kicked in? I would say my training absolutely kicked in. Yeah. Absolutely. And, but what I'm saying is, is, you know, we planned and, and in our, in the military, it's such a, you know, robust process, you know, the, the, whether it's in ranger school, the five paragraph op order or, you know, MDMP process. And, and you know, as far as the military decision-making process, it, it's, it's actually, and this is obviously me looking through the lens of years of, you know, of after the fact, but it's, um, it does a really, really good job of not just preparing you to go on to that mission or a mission. It's preparing you for what potentially is to come mm -hmm. contingency planning, yep. contingency rehearsals. I mean, what are those? Those are, those are rehearsing something that you have either seen done or or happened that was probably some sort of mistake or failure mm -hmm. and you don't want it to happen again mm -hmm. so by doing those you're not you're not har harping on people's mistakes you're just you're you're preparing for the unknown mm -hmm. and, and and the best as possible and what that does for your mind body and spirit you know um preparing it for violence mm -hmm. and then from you know rehearsals to contingent or excuse me from rehearsals to you know infield actions on to whatever happens on target right you know his first first round flies plan change the plan's only as mm -hmm. good until the first rounds are, are fired mm -hmm. um but that's when your training kicks in right yeah. that's when all the training and experience and it's a collective right you buy down the risk based on who you have around you not just your skill mm -hmm. like if everyone is at the you know similar levels of skill and experience you know that as a as a collective buys down all the risk as much or a, a lot of the risk that happens because you don't have to communicate 
um, verbally, you can do nonverbal communication and you know, like when Kevin goes and does this, like my reaction is this, Mm -hmm. right? So that's the part where I think for me in that hotel attack, it was just like, people were looking to me to lead. Mm -hmm. And I, and I had a, I had a moral obligation to do something. That was my, like, of course I was going to do something, mm-hmm. right? I got a phone call and it was like at seven ten in the morning. Um, okay. Well, first thing I did is go grab my kid out of my ready, ready kit bag. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, let's mm-hmm. see. I mean, I know what's in there, but yeah. like, I was like, I really wish I had more of my stuff. Right. Yeah. That's but, not um, the time to be, to be, <laughs> Oh damn, where's my gun again? <laughs> no, no, no. I, <laughs> Let, let's go, let's go back. Kyle. Let's we'll, we'll get there. Let's go back to the start, because I think context is important, yeah. right? So let's let's go back to, uh, <clears throat> let me throw some questions at you. Where, where were you born? I was born in a, uh, a town in Central Florida uh, called Eustis, E-U-S-T-I-S, Florida. Mm-hmm. It's um, about 30 minutes north of Orlando. Um, and the best year of the uh, last generation, Mm-hmm. 1984. <laughs> um, You're born in 84? Yeah. Dang. I'm young. Yeah, you are young. I went in the army so, in 85. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Um, all right, pops. Yep, yep, yeah. I'm used to it. No, he's still got – Kevin's still got it, man. I remember, <laughs> yeah, I remember meeting you in 2010, and you're still the same. same yeah, you, you were in uh, sniper school, right? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, Kevin was one of my instructors in sniper school. He was in NCIC or, or – Yeah, the, yeah, I was in NCIC the primary by then. Yeah, yeah. The um, – so – it, like growing up, um, small town, obviously, right? Growing mm-hmm. up, uh, did did you think about the military when you're growing up at all, or did you just we into you probably into sports yeah. and stuff? Yeah, I was definitely into sports. As far as thinking about the military, no, mm-hmm. it wasn't like it wasn't a, like a generational thing for my family. Um, my my father did construction, so he, he for most of his earlier you know career he was doing concrete tile in florida and 100 degrees on a roof Damn, you know and, yeah. and and i think that was kind of a forcing function for us moving around so much because he went to jobs wherever mm-hmm. you know and um so i think like that didn't provide the stability that that i have been able to provide my my mm-hmm. family and children so i do um you know i think that it's it's hard for you know to be a part of a team and you know because i did i played uh, football baseball and basketball basically since i was five Mm. um mainly football though and um the uh you know you pick up and move again then you're starting over on a team starting over in a new environment so i think i moved from florida by the time i was maybe five uh to upstate new york where my dad's family's from mm. and then that's quite a climate change right there yeah. oh yeah it's uh utica it's like yeah it's the it's like cold but it's like unnecessarily cold yeah like yeah there's cold no hurts like, man cold yeah, i don't like well, there's if God, i'm like out yeah. in the in the rockies or something and there's mm-hmm. a bunch of fun things to do winter activities yeah and not just like bone chilling cold for no reason <laughs> just yeah. yeah and the same with florida about heat it's yeah. like yeah you yeah. Like, I mean, bad weather's yeah. bad weather. Bad too weather, too yeah. hot, too cold, too humid. It all sucks. Well, right? That's why yeah. I like North Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> no, <right. laughs> yeah. um, but no, so we moved from New York uh, for a couple of years and the, the work wasn't really there. So then we ended up getting a job in Virginia, kind of the border there, Bristol of Virginia and Tennessee. And I lived there for a good part of my, my childhood. I'd, I'd say from like seven to 12, 13 years old, mm-hmm. basically 
up until I, I went to high school and then we moved back to Florida. Mm. So I went to high school. Same place? Yeah, same area. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where my mother's family's from. Mm -hmm. So we went back to high school or excuse me, we went back to Florida and I went to, I think I went to five different high schools. Oh man, that's tough, right? Yeah. Was that, was that? There was, there was like family just didn't have the, you know, we didn't come from much, but, yeah. but I think we, fo they focused on a lot of the things that, you know, looking back as a father now, I'm like, mm. Okay, it makes more sense now. You know, mm -hmm. they more like material, like what others think of us. You know, and so like prioritizing the way that the 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 little income they would get. Yeah, it would be you know they would make sure we had the nicest clothes. Mm -hmm. You know, but then the car would get repossessed, mm -hmm. like or the lights would be mm -hmm. like internet or not. I don't even know internet. No, was internet. It. <laughs> internet was it? Maybe it was. The, I don't know. Yeah. But uh, Y two K was a thing. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, so it really, you know, it 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 kind of formed a lot about my like my my own self, my sense of self mm -hmm. based on, you know, what's important. And those are learned behaviors, right? Mm -hmm. So that's how like developmental, you know, well, struggle like that builds character, it builds resilience, right? Yeah, and and for sure. you know, I, I I do think that kids have had everything handed to them their whole life as soon as they take a knock in their teens or in their early 20s, it really hits them hard. Whereas yeah. if you've been knocked down your whole life, yeah. you're like, oh, here's another one. <laughs> yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I think like, you know, I I actually, I think I could have went somewhere in the in football or with the foot, at least to college and play. But I, um, you know, I, I lost my, you know, I lost my way. I didn't have like a, a, a structure or someone to mentor me in the household to mm. like, so I kind of started just acting out, you know, mm. for attention and cause it, I wanted to be accepted or liked, you know, mm. and that's kind of what my, you know, what fed into my personality. So, yeah. um, I think the, you know, is that a product of moving around so much that you're making new friends all the time and you're trying to establish yourself yeah con continually right yeah and and that is like i i know by virtue of the path you took in the military you probably stayed at bragg your whole career but was that a, was that a a thought for you when you went in the military like oh my god i'm gonna have to move now all the no, time no. at the time you're I, young i didn't know anything okay like, that's about the military thing. so yeah. a, a little bit like so you know i got kicked off the football team and like my 10th grade year because of my GPA. Mm -hmm. It got below the like 2.0. And, mm -hmm. and then I was just like, you know what? Whatever. I'm just going to have fun. Be the How cool old kid. were you? Be the cool kid. I think I was, what, 10th, 15? I think that's the age where, um, speaking personally, that's the age where you're like, yeah, screw it, man. I'm going to yeah. do crazy shit, right? Yeah. I, that was me too. Like I, I did a lot of, and I, I don't know if I was looking for attention or just looking, I was bored and I just I wasn't getting, um, like taking this normal path was just not doing it for me. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know. Um, did you start any, any criminal stuff? Uh, yeah. 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 I, I think I had been arrested by the time I was 18 twice. That didn't, that didn't stop you going to the military. Huh? Oh, I, oh, I had to do a, they had to, I had to get a waiver. waiver. Mm -hmm. I had to do a waiver. I had to, I had to like stand in front of a, a full bird colonel mm. somewhere. And I was like, I don't know who this guy is. Mm -hmm. Like before I was in the military, I didn't understand yeah, the military. Yeah. But like, I knew that I needed to do that and, yep. and explain, you know, myself and my actions. Um, and that, that doesn't, 
you know, mm-hmm. that's, I, I don't want that to, you know, preclude me from being able to. It is a shame. List. It is a shame that, that a mistake like that crushes people for their whole life. Right. And you're the example, right? Top tip of the spear soldier, right? In, in the top freaking half a percent in the U.S. military, right? That came from that, that colonel making the decision right there and yeah, then on your whole path, my whole, my whole your life. whole life would have been different, right? Yeah. Had he not. And, you know, the U.S. military, I mean, there's a place for people who always do the right thing. And then there's a place for other people who think outside the box. Which one and are we, Kevin? I think I we're know. outside the box. I think we, <laughs> we've forgotten where the box is. Yeah. But, but even- It's no longer a box. It's, like, it's just a bigger box, <laughs> right? some other- Yeah, yeah. And, and, and we are, we are uh, very disciplined. We are very law-abiding. But when the time comes to, to step up, mm-hmm. uh, we, we, I think we- um, or willing to accept risk, yeah. and, and, and there's a place for guys like that, right? Yeah. Um, but that that's interesting. You had to get a waiver, and you had to stand in front of this guy, and you're like, "A colonel? What's that? Yeah, is, is exactly. that like a sergeant or something?" The, you know? the recruiter, or whomever it was, I can't remember if it was after I signed up on the in the delayed entry. No, it, it had to have been before, like that whole process. So I joined the delayed entry program, but I'll, I'll just kind of back up a little bit. So going into my from my junior to senior year, like I got sat down there was a there was a teacher and for the life of me i can't remember his name but i know that he was a former army ranger Mm -hmm. from ranger battalion which Mm -hmm. i guess is the only ranger right that's a real ranger that's a yeah we're not real yeah no in in ranger battalion we're ranger yeah (laughs) so that's just a little for you ranger Mm -hmm. bat guys bat boys all right um I, i think so he he saw something in in me mm-hmm. you know and he kind of he took me under his wing and was like hey like let's here's the path that i think we should get you on in order to get you to to graduate high school and mm-hmm. that and maybe he was trying to get me to join the military I, it it wasn't i remember him showing me some photos of like doing you know army training and mm-hmm. i was like man that's that's pretty cool mm-hmm. right it's funny though in hindsight i'm mm-hmm. like man that wasn't cool <laughs> like looking just yeah, with all the things know, we've done right? it's like yeah. but but as a young you know young man or a adolescent you know still developing so much and you know the uh like the fact that he paid attention to me yeah you know and and not just that like he held me accountable mm-hmm. to to making to setting a goal and then and seeing it through and mm-hmm. then you know a couple months into my senior year 9-11 happened in 2001 and and it was like visceral feel mm-hmm. of, like that emotion of mm-hmm. like oh my god that like, strong is, that strong male role model is so important in a young man's life huge. it really is and that huge. like a one conversation can put your your path on a new trajectory right yeah. and it happens all the time i've talked to a lot of guys that are like that yeah. i had this because i always ask you know what was your 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 what was the catalyst that drove you into the military mm-hmm. and a lot of times it's uh you know my my grandfather was in vietnam or my dad did this or um this teacher or strong male role model kind of sat me down paid attention to me and put me on that path was your dad kind of old school work hard not really involved that much in in because I, i'm from there too right yeah, I, have, yeah. I have 13 brothers and sisters right i yeah. got lost in the shuffle yeah, yeah i'm yeah. nine of there's another kids one. yeah like, yeah oh that's the other which one yeah. That? yeah. And, and you get lost in the shuffle right yeah um so you you do need that somebody from the outside to come in and say look i, I i've seen i see something in you 
right it was critical it was yeah. critical for, yeah. for me and and, yeah. the, and you know my parents were were doing what they you know what they knew how to do and i don't fault them for for you know anything i i think you know it's on the it's on you as a person to to make your own decisions and develop yourself but like to have like that mentorship and 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 someone that you can look up to mm-hmm. and 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 hold you accountable and and kind of show you the way like not not that my parents you know just were they weren't absent but it was it was a, it was in a very a very chaotic environment mm. uh, in our household well, so they're trying to make ends meet too right yeah. they were trying to to make a living how many brothers and sisters do you have uh one sister okay yeah, yeah. i have a half brother but i don't i don't we don't yeah I don't, but, but moving around like that for work yeah uh, that's difficult too man you know and uh you know, my, 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 my father had his own demons, but my mother was a seriously strong and intelligent woman who, mm. who raised us basically almost by herself, right? Yeah. And and she could beat some ass when she needed to, yeah. but by God, she needed to. And, yeah. and I needed, we all needed to be to be steered straight when we yep. stepped out of line, right? And uh, yeah, but the, that that strong male role model. And, and for females too, that, no, that female the females, role model. Like, I have nothing but admiration and respect for for you know, men or women or a woman that raises their children by themselves mm-hmm. because like th- that is a massive responsibility. It's your whole life. To, to, it's your whole life. Because yeah. you really, you want to raise your children to be prepared as, po- mm-hmm. as, as possible for, for life. Yeah. Right? And yeah. how do you do that if you, if you don't know how to, you know, inherently like protect yourself or, or, you know, provide for the family you know in a way that's not just monetarily mm-hmm. right so yeah. like you know there's so many things and that's what is so great about having a, a strong woman and a man mm-hmm. you know in a relationship to be able to mentor and develop you know all the aspects because i don't have all the answers right mm-hmm. there's a lot of th- things i have three daughters and a mm-hmm. son but it God gave me three dollars for a reason, mm-hmm. like back to back, because di- definitely because different. all of my transgressions in life, I think. <laughs> but it is like it is the most humbling and and like innocent. Like it brings me to a place every time I interact with them. That's just yeah. they need me as a father, and they need they need me they need me to be present. They need mm-hmm. me to show up, and yeah. you know. So it's it's um it's so important that like you you play off each other's strengths and weaknesses I mean, mm-hmm. you guys like it's a team effort you don't definitely. have to mm-hmm. necessarily agree on everything mm-hmm. but you have to make decisions together mm-hmm. and and i didn't really have i didn't have that as, as a child mm-hmm. but you know and for for that that teacher though you know from for just to set me on that trajectory and then 9 11 happened it was like it was like this is it. okay Mm. I'm, I'm going to do something about this. Mm. Like, where, what where, can I do? Where were you when you watched the planes go into the door? I, I was in, um, I remember where I was sitting in the in a classroom. It was uh, probably one of the maths that I had failed over and over that I had to get. I can't remember if it was Algebra 2 or something like that. Um, and yeah, I just remember like sitting in the classroom like, and they had it on the TV and then it was just silent, you know? Mm. And like all day and then we got released early and then yeah um it was extremely you know impactful for so many people not you know obviously you know dealing with that in new york city but like 
across the country yeah in the world for that matter like it, it was a it surreal was, moment yeah. it really was yeah i think a lot of people in that moment realized that um the world is a very dangerous place and, and everything changed yeah. on that day no, it did. And, and, yeah um, and i know for me in my life it did and, and yeah and i wasn't necessarily directly impacted by that but it 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 is the reason that I was like, what can I do? Mm. And I'd already had this relationship with that teacher that served. Mm -hmm. And it was like, all right, well, me and a, me and my uh, cousin, like, let's join up. You buddy programmed it. Buddy, buddy yeah. programmed mm -hmm. it. Because that softens the blow. Yeah. They're like, hey, we're going to give you a buddy or you're going to bring your buddies together. They'll yeah. keep you in the same blah, blah, blah. Yeah. They'll give you the it's same. Smart. Yeah. It, it, it really mm -hmm. is from a recruitment. And, and honestly, it was like, really helpful because it was actually that's right it was a buddy of mine and then my cousin jumped on that mm. so it was going to be a, th a three, three of you a three yeah. mm -hmm. a three thing mm -hmm. and um that's a funny story in itself and how like recruiters and like because <laughs> i don't even know if i can say this but i'm gonna say it you so, can say it. <laughs> so the the recruiters are really good at recruiting yeah and, and they, they are they will mm -hmm. like that's their job literally mm -hmm. say and do whatever oh, it takes yeah. to get oh, to get yeah. you in yeah. and um i was going in regardless yeah but i remember taking the asvab and my cousin like we were worried he wasn't going to pass it mm -hmm. so they had me take the test for him <laughs> so he could enlist and then and then get a sign-on bonus wow right? yeah but uh the, the the irony in all of that is out of the three of us there was only two of us that actually went yeah and it was my buddy not my cousin he backed out he? eventually yeah. so it was yeah. like all right so i just did all that for nothing yeah um but yeah it, it's it's um i think i i signed up in a delayed entry program december 2001 mm -hmm. and i was 17 so my mom still had to my mother had to go to, it was like tampa meps or whatever and uh my mom had to go like sign the dotted line mm. you know, as I'm doing the raising your right hand thing. And um, it was contingent on- You gotta bring your mom to, my mom, to sign in. I That's, swear, yeah, I wanna join, yeah. but my mom will sign for <laughs> You know, I, I've told people before, like not everybody's suited for the military, but if, if, if you're 17, 18, coming out of high school and you have no idea what to do, signing on to the military for three years, until you, you you know you get money for college you yeah. get you get yeah. kind of some sort of discipline and training and you get that behind you and you're out by the time you're you're 22 mm -hmm. and you're still so young yeah. you, you can see I, I, you know it's not a bad option it's if not. you it's yeah. very hard to come out at 18 years old and somebody says decide the rest of your career right now yeah, you know yeah. Yeah. Well, i'm going through right now with my son like, yeah so yeah. It, it, it's you know he's 21 and he is you know, technically my stepson, I've raised him since he was four. Mm -hmm. Um, and he, I'm, him and I are like best friends. Mm -hmm. And he, I mean, he is my son. Is that the kid uh, you have shooting with you and stuff like that? Um, he's, he's done some, some shooting. Mm -hmm. The younger one is my middle daughter, Kaylee, mm -hmm. that I have mm -hmm. some shooting videos. Mm -hmm. Blue Bearing Solutions, by the way. Blue Bearing Solutions. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> we got to throw the plug mm -hmm. in. Um, but like, it, you know, that, he's at that point where he's about to graduate from Florida State University and and the degrees and his, deg his degrees in um, digital media production mm -hmm. but he really like so that'll, that'll come in handy I know <laughs> well that's what I'm that's what him and I are talking that's what him and I have been we've mm -hmm. been talking about and and um he's such a perfectionist I love it mm -hmm. but I'm also like you know 
it, that's where that working relationship comes into it. Once, as I'm figuring out my, you know, polishing my instruction, the flow of things, mm-hmm. like the cues and, and, you know, it, it'll, it'll clean itself up because he's done some practice with me with mm-hmm. shooting, like shooting film. Yeah. And, um, I'm really excited about it because he he's passionate about like the videographer piece, like yeah. live broadcasting stuff he does yeah. for the school for mm-hmm. sporting events and stuff. And he's done some freelance work too. But, um, I think like he's at a point where one may he graduates, mm-hmm. but he's like, all right, well now what am I going to do? Yeah. Yeah. So he's actually, he's been seriously talking to me and I've made him, I've asked him to talk with other people that I know and, you know, just mm-hmm. get, as much and be as, as informed as possible, but he's talking about either enlisting or, o- or going to OCS. Really? Or yeah. Um, so, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sit here and say like, hey, you know, you're not gonna do that. Mm-hmm. First of all, he's a young, he's his own man. Yeah. I want him to make his own decisions, and that's the way that I've raised him. I want him to make an informed decision, mm-hmm. and like not a rash, like the truly understand why why you're doing something. And, you know, so he's been, he's been doing that. He's been doing, you know, he's talked to recruiters. He's talked to, you know, different friends of mine with different perspectives. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not trying to like set it up to where it's like steering him away yeah. from it. I, I, I have such a admiration as I'm like th- these, you know, any, any opportunity I've had to do, you know, these hackathon events with some like pretty large schools and doing just basically doing these, you know, engineering or data science type projects, uh, with these, these young cadets and, you know, at MIT, um, you know, Harvard, uh, West point, you know, things like that. It's, it's really, it really started to open my eyes back up to like, like how I felt when I was that age, mm-hmm. like that, you know, around that age. And, and, I have nothing but admiration for this generation that, that wants to serve in mm-hmm. some, in some way, Yeah, you know, because I felt like it was such a critical part to your point of my own development, whether I stayed in for my first contract, which was four years or mm-hmm. here we are 20 years later and I'm having a conversation with Kevin and I'm mm-hmm. still here. Yep. But it, you know, I, I do know for a fact that there's a lot of things that can, it can help, you know, like open, open your mind and your, you know, your body to like the physical training aspect, the, the, uh, you know, the, the brother, uh, not brotherhood, but the tribe, the camaraderie, the camaraderie yeah. piece mm-hmm. of it. Like it's definitely and, something and, it's when you go through tough stuff together, you build yeah. that bond, right? Shared yeah. experiences mm-hmm. that, that you, you know, that, you know, 10 years from now, like, mm you you have you could run into you know an old mate of yours and you're like it, it'll be like it was a, like no days have passed mm-hmm. right it's like you're right back with it mm-hmm. and that's not like you're right back in telling war stories necessarily yeah. it's like it's mm-hmm. the connection that you build you know? yeah and that's it's so important for mm-hmm. for um well for for humans it really to is. connect mm-hmm. you know? it really is and then you know to to, to kind of you know talk about you know experiences and, and and dealing with trauma and all that later on is, is super important but we'll get there so you came in as a paratrooper right 82nd airborne yep america's guard of honor yeah there you go yeah. um did did you you have that in your contract at school yeah that was a part of the the that was the um that's what put me over the edge right you know when they were doing the whole like recruiting hey we'll yeah, give you we'll make you an infantryman yeah. you know and then we'll make you an airborne infantryman i was yeah. like oh that sounds cool yeah and and then it was like 
82nd Airborne. I don't even, I don't have no idea like why that sounded Maybe the it's recruiter from the was from it's from the movies. Like, yeah. it's, it's from Band of Brothers and yeah. all that. And, yeah, but you know. I, that wasn't that hadn't came out yet. Yeah, the yeah. Band of Brothers. It, Either way, like I didn't know I didn't know anything really about yeah. the military. So yeah. everything I was getting, I was just like, oh, like that, like that, like mm-hmm. that. Want that? You know, mm-hmm. it was one yeah. of those. You yeah. know, and I, I, you know, it was a you know large division, home of the Airborne Special Operations, Fort Bragg, North Carolina, mm-hmm. and it's a. Uh, yeah, it was it was interesting. I showed up like the end of 2002 to my like platoon and uh it was like a fire hose, man. Like <laughs> I was like the only new guy and and I think they had just got back that company or that battalion from Afghanistan. Oh yeah. Like, That's so a great time to They come were in, like hardened, man. man. Yeah, so yeah. I showed up and I was like this new 18-year-old little punk that yeah. like didn't know anything they just yeah. got back from combat and it was well i'll just say it was a nightmare well for it, for, know, for a first portion of right but my, the, I, you know before 9 11 it was a nightmare in a different way because yeah. you were sweeping the motor pool and oh, doing yeah. bs yeah. and doing peacetime army yep. garbage right yeah. a nightmare that's focused for combat and yeah. training is is a better nightmare yeah right? oh, <laughs> fair enough and mm. i I, I do think that, you know, us sitting here talking about it, looking back, it's like there's uh, there was absolutely still remnants of that. The peacetime stuff. The peacetime mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. And then now it's like, well, hey, we got this combat, you know, experience. And and then it, it hadn't fully kind of transitioned into like this lethal fighting force yeah. that the U.S. military has become over 20, 21 yeah. years. Yeah, people being, forget that. Being at war. Yeah. Because there's some things, and I'm not blowing off being a, a, a garrison or having your military bearing. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, there's a there's a time to, you know, take, you know, listen to what you're supposed to do. Be on time. You know, don't be late, light mm-hmm. around in uniform. And, and, well, that's pretty much your whole military career. But the you know shaving and and haircuts and you know shining your boots and you know zero nine formation for the like open ranks Mm -hmm. you know all that inspection Mm -hmm. like that was um that was still very much a part of like the army back then and and i don't know if it still is but um i think there's elements i I don't think that'll ever go away i i think that's that's the core right yeah like sean said the other day if you you can't be unconventional until you learn how to be conventional you know you really do so those core values in the military and core traits they'll always be there right and people think in special operations we just we grow beards we do anything we want it's not true we are part of the u.s military and we are held to the standards of the u.s military and we have beards when we're down range when when it makes sense when it makes sense right yeah. I hated having a beer down range, honestly. But in, in Afghanistan, we were blending with the, well, the, the, that culture. Strap, and gets, yeah, I know. It's like, yeah. like snagged in your chin strap yeah. or on your buttstock. You're like, oh. Yeah, but people think, yeah, your buttstock. <laughs> that I remember that. Yeah. 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 People think, oh, we can do, we can wear whatever we want. We can do whatever. And it's not that. It's yeah. not. There, there are time. There's a time and a place. And you're always, you're still in the U.S. military. Well, I think right? you said it best with, with what Sean and you talked about with the, like unconventional in itself, you can't be, mm-hmm. you can't even fathom what unconventional is until you yeah. until you understand what yeah. conventional yeah. soldier is. Yeah, you can't you know? think and, outside the box until you know where the and, box is. And the, the whole, you know, the 18X-ray program, my son's like looking at it, right? Yeah. And then he's given like, you know, that between that and OCS, those are the two kind of routes, infantry mm-hmm. officer or, a, you know, an 18X-ray contract. But to me, I think if he asked me this that question 
10 years ago, I would have been like, go prior, go infantry first mm-hmm. and get some experience in conventional, the army. Mm-hmm. Cause I just remember being a part of teams in SF and like you, not every 18 actually that comes with the team is the same, mm-hmm. but there is, there is a, a, there's a gap between, you know, what they bring from their prior experience in life and mm-hmm. But then that connecting the new 18 X-ray to a team versus a new prior service mm-hmm. guy to a team. Yeah. At that time, it was huge because that person came with combat experience yes. in their conventional units. Mm-hmm. And but looking at it, you know, kind of from an, a, uh, an outside perspective, now it's like right now I think the best way to get into you know a place where I know you, you ultimately want to be is just to do the 18 extra contact because there's not, there's the, the op tempo has changed. Mm. And, you know, so I think that I'm leaning in my recommendation would be to do the 18 extra thing. Yeah. I, I, when I was the first turnout at WLC that, that the warrior leader course, which is the basic leader course. Now we got, um, like 120 students per class and they were almost all 18 x-rays who came into the army, did basic training, AIT, jump school selection then came to me right mm. and i actually changed my whole opinion on the at the extra program because um very impressed with the caliber of of soldier that came in um you know it, it wasn't they were they were highly intelligent very physically fit um under no illusion of what they were getting into yeah. in the same way you were after 9 11 right um very very solid young men and women coming into the special operations community. So, um, yeah, it, it's actually a pretty good route because yeah. the, 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 the pipeline is like two freaking years, depending on your MOS. And, and that, yeah, they, that's what I told them. I they'll like, mature MOS, man. Like by yeah. the time you finish basic or OSIT or whatever it is, airborne, mm-hmm. and then, you know, you get to the prep program here at North Carolina and then through your training, like you're looking at two, yeah. three years three before years, you're on, on a mm-hmm. team. Yeah. And you know, understand that because mm-hmm. like if you're trying to like get right to a team and i think a lot of it is like he's learning to to just not necessarily maybe appreciates the right word he he's seeing things from a different perspective now in his own way mm-hmm. about like our like the past the families like my my career and like things that he just didn't pay attention to he's looking back at now with, mm-hmm. with a different you know he's just he's taking it in differently and it's really like it's a really good like feeling for me because it's it's um you know it's been really hard so Mm -hmm. and and not not just on me them and you know for him to be able to like say how significant the things that i've done and and been a part of and how much he admires that is Mm. huge as a father i'm just like I, mean, I think, I think I, for, for yeah. their whole life, you're just dad, right? And then yeah, all yeah. of a sudden they realize that, oh, yeah. uh, this is a little different than my, my friend's dad, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, wait, how long were you in the infantry before you went to special operations? So just shy of four years. I Did think. you deploy? Yeah, to Iraq in um, t- uh, July 2003. So, okay, early on. Yeah. yeah right after invasion? Yeah, so yeah. I think um, I was a part of 505, 3505, and we flew in. Um, into biop, uh, Baghdad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Baghdad international airport. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, back in yeah July or June, either way, I think three, two, five was the ones that were the brigade that went for the push during the invasion. And then mm. we followed on. Yeah. But I think I was there. I was there until like 
May of the next year. Oh, it's a long one. But huh? we were there th when Saddam was, you know, rolled up, rolled up, and mm -hmm. you know, the insurgency was just starting. Really, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. How was that trip? Interesting. Yeah, like eighteen or just turned nineteen. Yeah, just turned nineteen, and you know that that's actually like they were trying. Everyone was trying to figure out what, yeah. like how to how to how to deal with you know the lack of resources you mm -hmm. know like us, we, we, we people don't realize looking back after 20 years when 9-11 happened we were not ready we'd no. gone through eight years of clinton cutting the army down yeah. and and we were just not ready but you go to, like rumsfeld said at the time you go to war with the army you have yep. and then we're, we're driving around and i'm sure the 82nd was the same mm -hmm. we're driving around with soft skin vehicles yep. in a city and getting blown up nine, and like nine oh. guys in the vehicle you got six six yeah. hoods in the back just mm -hmm. like facing out and i remember packing like taping up mre boxes and packing sand and rocks in there and and strapping those cargo strapping them mm -hmm. to the sides just to have something in between us you yes. know whether it was sandbags or the, or the boxes like something in between you know to, to kind of help protect us because mm -hmm. we were so exposed and just getting shot at from every which right every and, which and way. In, you know early on that the the 50 cows didn't even have the chicken plate in front of them right yeah, you're, yeah. Just you're just up you're there just up there hanging yeah. yeah um but it's easy to look back and go oh my god but that's just what it was right that's the I'm, evolution i think you said it best mm -hmm. about the you go to you go to war with the army you have and Mm -hmm. And we damn sure developed into the army that we needed. Yes. You know, and, yeah. it, and people could argue like how fast or, you know, slow it was. But I mean, it, it is a substantial difference in the army now versus back then. Oh, yeah. It's completely know? different. And, and, and I'll tell you, I always give, I always try to give props to the infantry kids who fought in Iraq and Afghanistan, right? Because in a special operations community, <clears throat> depending on where you are, you, a lot of times you stack the deck, right? You have all the assets, you have guys left and right are really well trained. You go in, you hit targets and, but, but those kids driving around in strikers around Mo Mosul or Baghdad or soft skin vehicles getting blown up. It, that's a tough one, man. And, and yeah. they work you hard when you're an infantry kid yeah. in, in that environment. Pretty much, man. um, you could be route security, you could be route clearance, you could be, or convoy security and route clearance, or you could be like hitting a house. And yeah. you're like, I don't know what this means, but let's do it. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. roger that, Sergeant. I know, right? Like, I'm going. Yeah, like, and, and nobody had combat experience, really, even your really. leadership. Like, yeah. they had, man, had a little bit, might've been to Afghanistan, but Iraq was so different. So different. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. Um, they're, they're just, again, we're making it up as we go along, yeah. and we're trying to figure, and you got a young lieutenant there who's, you know, barely older than you mm -hmm. um it, it, it's tough right but hey that's what we do we yeah. figure it out and we we evolve and uh did you guys lose anybody in your platoon on that one no in the company though we did and i remember yeah. that i remember when that first you know casualty happened it was like i wasn't out on patrol i was back i remember being at night and then just all this commotion you know the, the vehicles flying into the to the med the med uh facility there that we had um it was like an old chicken warehouse thing or i don't i don't know mm. that we took over but um yeah and then just taking you know taking the casualty the the you know taking his body is lifeless and i remember seeing that and being like you know because i had seen up to that point i had already started i'd already seen you know death mm -hmm. but but when it was one of your own you know mm. it's like it it just 
affected me differently, you know, and very, uh, you know, somber kind of feeling mm. and then anger, you know? Yeah. I just find it interesting with, you know, working counterinsurgency operations in a big city is, is difficult. It's very difficult. It's very difficult for infantry and very different for special operations because we are trying to protect the populace, right? Cause you know, when, when, when you hit the wrong target and, and if somebody gets killed, then you're turning more people against you and you're, yeah. you're turning the population. I remember having a conversation in 2005. I spent almost a year in Mosul and my, my warrant on my team was like, we can't use breaching charges anymore because, you know, when we blow in the door and, you know, we're turning the population against you. And I remember at the time going, look, I 100% agree. However, if I'm the guy stacked outside, I'm not worried about the big political situation and, and the ramifications going forward mm -hmm. that, that the people at the top are. I'm worried about getting in that door fast and furious yeah. and keeping all, all our guys alive, right? Yeah. So at the tactical level, at, at the strategic level, that completely makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. You don't want to be turning more people against you mm -hmm. and you want to be seen as a protector. At the tactical level, at the breach point, mm -hmm. you're trying to get in there. You're trying to live through the next five minutes of your life, right? Well, so you, there, you, you have to... 100% agree no. with you. Like you, that is a, like, I won't say a tomorrow problem, but at that point, your mission is, yeah. mm -hmm. is, to, is to, they've sent you on this mission. Yeah. They, they deem this mission like something of a priority. Mm -hmm. And now they're putting us in, in harm's way mm -hmm. to do it. So the last thing that the leadership should do is say, well, hey, we're going to take this from you, this yeah. tool from you, yeah. that tool yeah. from you. And then it's like, all right, well, if y'all want to have this strategic, conversation about the effect of these or that type of mission or how we do it, you know, please do mm -hmm. that. But, you know, you really need to look at, all right, so who are we, how are we, and who are we targeting? Yeah. You know, because the reality is, is like something's going to give, mm -hmm. right? Like if you're telling me to take away the, uh, uh, the element, of surprise, element of surprise yeah. and then the shock and the speed, yeah, yeah. surprise, mm -hmm. violence of action aspects of getting into that first you know, mm -hmm. foothold into the, the facility or the compound, like it is essential, you mm. know, for, for certain missions and targets and, and, you know, not every door needs a breach charge, but you know, when you, when you need that element of it mm -hmm. based on the, the enemy situation mm. or the environment, you know, yeah. it, because they're going to change their tactics, techniques, oh, and procedures, absolutely. right? You, you, yeah. you do this, they do this, you do this to counter that. And then they, the enemy and always gets to vote. Man. Yeah. Like, yeah. And you it's have an to ongoing, evolve. Yeah. Like you as a fighting to. force, if mm -hmm. you, if you don't listen to the, the lessons that they're, they're showing you mm -hmm. as they, as they're mm -hmm. voting and, and they're evolving, yeah, you know, because they, they aren't American. Mm -hmm. you know? So they, they, they think differently, they live differently. Mm -hmm. So they're going to throw things at us that, aren't necessarily something that we would like do or think. Mm -hmm. So we have to adapt and evolve to, to survive mm -hmm. and to be effective, mm -hmm. you know? Um, but the, like that whole, like, uh, affecting the, the local population, of course, strategically, like we don't want that. That's mm -hmm. going to harm us in the, in the long, the long game, mm -hmm. but they really need to look at how, like, why are you sending us on that mission? Or, or into that country. If into you're not going to give us yeah, the tools exactly. to do what we need to do, then don't freaking send us yeah. there, right? Yep. Um, for sure. Yeah. So uh, if, we were, if only we were in charge for a day. I know. You know? Everybody's stupid except yeah, us. that's right. We got it all figured out. <laughs> well, you do have hindsight. You have the benefit <laughs> no, of hindsight, hindsight huge, right? right? And, yeah. you know, all these people talking about Ukraine right now. You really want to go into Ukraine 
with the the military leadership who withdrew from Afghanistan. Let's mm. think about that for a second, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, the, all right, so 82nd Airborne Paratrooper, a, a year in, a, in Iraq as mm-hmm. a young soldier is like five years of military <laughs> experience. It, it was, really it is. It was like a whole nother life. Yeah. It's like, you come back with your CIB, man, and you're like, my God, oh, that 20 year old is a I was like, king. full of piss and vinegar. Man. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go, I'm going to go find me a woman. So I, uh, I, uh, actually, that's a good, the good segue into like, that's when I actually met my wife, um, coming back from that trip. I went, went to Myrtle beach, you know, to go party or whatever. I was mm-hmm. 19 still. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, you can't drink, you can well, go to combat. I had a fake ID nice, and I was drinking in the club and, uh, I do not condone that for you younger generations. Um, but you know, my wife is, you know, she's six years older than me, but you know, did she buy beer for you? No, no, I could buy. <laughs> I, I, it was a good one. It was a good, a good one. So I just remember walking her back to her hotel and just like, just enamored mm. with, with with her. And and we got to the hotel and I was like, hey, um, before I leave, like I just wanted to kind of like have have a conversation. Like, how old do you think I am? Like. I, of course, I'm like going to ask you a question mm-hmm. instead of just saying I'm this. Yeah. She's like, I don't know, 21, 22. And I was like, well, no, I'm 19 um, and I'm in the army. So hope that's not a problem, but I would really like to you know, see you again. She's from Western North Carolina. They're visiting with her friend's birthday or something. And it just, you know, I, I, but I remember like the next week, I, there was a military ball thing coming back. They, I had, hadn't been to one. You mm-hmm. know? So I was like, Hey, maybe she'll be my date. And I remember talking to her and like, she was, she was, she was very polite about declining mm-hmm. the invitation. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. And it, it kind of just fell and not fell apart, but it, it just, the communication kind of stopped after that. Mm-hmm. I say she ghosted me, but mm-hmm. she says she didn't. Um, she but, lost your number, man. Yeah, Come for on. sure, right? <laughs> but I know she didn't because the, the rest of the story. Mm-hmm. So, like, I went to 82nd Pre Ranger right after that, and then right into Ranger School. And then I did when I came back from Ranger School, I was like, um, I had a voicemail on my little flip phone or whatever it was, and and one and it was from her. Mm-hmm. And it was she was just that sweet voice, like genuinely, like, hey, how are you doing? You know, been thinking about you. I hope you're okay. You know, it was, that was it. Right. And mm-hmm. I, I, I called her and, and then we started dating and, you know, I think I got married to her like four months, four or five months after mm-hmm. like, like dating, but it was like, we would, she'd get up for work in the morning, like stay with me during the week here, mm-hmm. drive to work, like over at, she worked at like Comscope or something out mm-hmm. towards Charlotte. And, um, cause I would get up at, zero five thirty or PT. zero whatever it is bt formation yeah, yeah. because we got to be there for the formation before the formation right mm-hmm. and um i just remember she would take off because that would get her to, to work in time and then on weekends i would go over there and stay with her and mm-hmm. she actually had a, a son she had a son ethan yeah which is my you know the step my stepson that i was telling you about mm-hmm. um and it was like so he was three i think when i first started dating and, he, and then he turned four and we got married but it was like I saw, I saw they need, they needed someone mm-hmm. in that, in that place that, mm-hmm. you know, to, to, to help kind of like 
to the strength the the to help her she was dealing with so much bs from his biological father mm. and and the guys was just you know he was abusive you know verbally and physically and like it, you know i think me coming around kind of had him he was like oh so he started to try to like get in the in the picture and i was like okay man like i was essentially the median mm. or medium not, yeah the medium between the two like we're doing a exorcism like the voice of reason at such yeah. a young age yeah. right? and it was yeah. like hey this isn't about y'all yeah. this is about that boy right there mm-hmm. right so y'all need to cut the shit like both of you mm. and and like show up if you're gonna if you're gonna do this like show up and, I'm, and erica was all about showing mm-hmm. up that's all she's ever done mm. but you know i think that helped him you know that helped a lot um because then you know he would have him on a, a weekend you know periodically and you know that lasted for a while man but i think through that whole process like i never told i never said ethan you gotta call me dad you gotta call mm-hmm. me this like i was like mm-hmm. you can call me dad you can call me stepdad you can call me kyle mm-hmm. like but you're gonna listen to me mm-hmm. in this household mm-hmm. so um how old were you when you got married uh 20. 20 wow yeah. that's young yeah. yeah but um i was gonna say but your wife at the time had a, had a job right oh, yeah. so financially yeah. it wasn't as rough as it would have been normally right? no because no. when young she, you know the army's kind of designed you come in and you know you're in the barracks for a couple of years and you're on e5 e6 you get married and you know what i mean oh, yeah. like when you when you jump that yeah. barrier it, it's very tough to financially be be junior enlisted and, yeah. and be married yeah, no, especially it was it was it was a lot easier for us to make that the you know for one i was just like i'm at a certain point i was like you know what i'm gonna marry you mm. and guess what we get vah so <laughs> <laughs> icing on the cake boom uh, and i get to live off post yeah yeah and i get to live on post yeah. uh, off post mm-hmm. i think i was already living off post yeah um, was i might have been an e5 by yeah. that point it was pretty early because mm. they gave me e- no they gave me e4 uh right out of ranger school mm-hmm. and then i think um, you were like an E4 Ranger tab and a, and a CIB. Yeah. Like a stud, man. I People was like, give like, me the saw. <laughs> I want the saw. And yeah. uh, just freaking yeah. spraying it. But, so, but, so what made you go to special operations? I think for one, that trip to Iraq mm. was like, okay, did you we, see SF guys with I, I di- did. different gear? I did. And, I saw and, I saw people all over the place. Yeah, and they were U- U.S. forces, and I was like, and they're civilian clothes. I was like, who were they? <laughs> who were it's they? always the way. It was just yeah. like, like, yeah. And and we actually did support, you know, mm-hmm. outer perimeter security for for mm-hmm. several operations. Mm-hmm. Couldn't tell you who they were or what. Like at the time, I don't know. I was mm-hmm. just like, you want me to pull security work? Yeah. Which way? Ten mm-hmm. to two. Mm-hmm. Roger that. Yeah. And um, I'm gonna lock this down. Mm-hmm. But um. It was it was cool to see and be a part of that even from from the layers removed mm-hmm. it was it was like oh man there's something else out there mm-hmm. right so it put a it planted that seed in my head mm-hmm. and then i think you know getting with erica and insta family insta father yeah and then we, we she got pregnant with or we got pregnant she got pregnant i got her pregnant mm-hmm. with kyla mm-hmm. um at, at uh i think we got married January 18th, 2005. And I think she got pregnant like uh, the next month. 
I thought you were going to say January 19th. <laughs> like, zero one in the morning. Yeah, zero one in the morning. No. Child out of wedlock. No way, man. Um, the, uh, yeah, but that just changed the calculus for me, man. When That's a lot for a 20-year-old, 21-year-old man, yeah, you know? Yeah. That's a, that's a, skipping to the end of the book right there, man. I it, didn't it, want to, I knew that I wanted something different, Yeah. right, than what I had just experienced. Mm-hmm. And between Iraq and then the training back, back, back home uh in the 82nd and it's a wonderful place to work and and grow up in the military and fully support you know that that side of the house but i i just saw i knew i wanted something different Mm -hmm. and i wanted to be able to you know push myself to become a better version of myself and Mm -hmm. and i only you know you know at that point it's like well what what exactly does that mean it I'm going to use the skills and the hard skills that I can learn and train because that they're doing it, right? Mm. They're doing all these things. So now I say better version, I think a better military soldier, you know, a, you know, but still learning at such a, such a young age about yeah. like, who, who am I, mm. you know? And, and that's fine. But I was using that as like, it was so, uh, uh not inspirational, but just like, it, it was just like it changed the way I was motivated again. It like, almost like when I signed up, mm-hmm. you know, and I was like, yeah. "Oh, dude, this is like this is where I need to. This yeah, is where I, this is where I was meant to be here." Mm-hmm. So, because I only had a, I think, a four year contract initially, mm-hmm. and you know, I was, my whole plan was like to do that and just get out, especially you know, with um, after that rotation to Iraq, and then you know, getting married and mm-hmm. ra- range schooling and married, and then like so. But then, you know, having a partner to be able to like bounce things off of mm-hmm. and, and knowing how, how such a strong woman she is, mm-hmm. like, and she supported everything that I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And she wanted me to push myself to be the best I can be mm-hmm. you know, at the job because she's, she was patriotic and still is like through mm-hmm. me, yeah. you know, and mm-hmm. my, my service. And, and yeah, I, we I, were, in, we were in two wars heavily in two wars at the time. So that, that yeah. that's a lot. Yeah. Um, you, 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 so you went through selection, you probably breezed through selection after being in ranger school and all that and being in the infantry. It's, yeah. it's, 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 mm-hmm. it's, uh, for, for, it was interesting. Yeah. SFAS was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, mm-hmm. wow, I love this. Like, <laughs> I loved this, like that problem solving, Yeah, you know, and then land navigation, I just fell in love with that. Mm-hmm. And like, cause it's you against yourself and the yeah. environment. Mm-hmm. Right. And, yeah. and, and, and it really is about believing in your, yourself, your equipment mm. and just move. It's a great way to assess people. Yeah. Cause you're out there by yourself with a rucksack yep. and in some cases, and I'm just going point to point. You got to push yourself at the rate that you think you need to push yourself. Yeah. It's, to get, you you yeah. moderate yourself. Yeah. yeah. No yeah. one's going to tell you. Mm-hmm. you know, like, it's, it's a great system for, for, um, yeah, for, for assessing the, te- the people. team, the team week too. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so like, it's very barbaric. Mm hmm. But, or I guess barbaric would be the wrong term, but it, it's <laughs> archaic almost, yeah. mm-hmm. but it's, it's like, there's so much there that yeah. you can learn about yourself and others by being challenged in that way. Yeah, it's pretty, and that's it's a, pretty, like, that's another thing that I'm, I'm trying to do, or, or one of the primary things I'm trying to do with Blue Bearing Solutions, my company I started is to, to develop these, like, whether it's corporate team building events, mm-hmm. but or government, you know, law enforcement team building event, mm. but re- it, like really being grounded in 
kind of that team SFAS team week concept, mm. um, but but built to what they what they want to get out of it, um, and but seeing themselves themselves you know introspectively seeing themselves in a different position doing different mm. tasks that they're not used to, and then they get that perspective from their peers and they also get to lead and follow and if because i mean you know higher level leadership executives you know when's the last time they were a follower mm -hmm. you know so to be able to put them in there to, to just for a, a period of time to be able to like man i really suck at following mm -hmm. right or man i'm still a really good follower mm -hmm. like it, it's because that's what makes a team you, mm -hmm. you don't you don't need 10 chiefs you need you need a, a, a and then you need a leader and or leadership to be able to not just take charge, but lead, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. like there's a time to take charge and make a decision for sure. And we've both experienced mm -hmm. that like on the battlefield mm -hmm. and the lessons that I want to bring to these types of events are, are forged in combat lessons learned and training for combat, mm -hmm. you know? So yeah. that's kind of one of the things that I want to provide for, mm -hmm. uh, for, and I have a, like two pilots I'm going to run one in Salt Lake city and then one actually here in Moore County. You know, to be able to actually get, you know, get some feedback and get, you know, just execute. Yeah. And then yeah. it's going to evolve and build. So. Yeah. There's definitely decades of, of leadership experience and, yeah. and training that, that can translate over to the civilian world. What MOS were you when you entered the Q course? Uh, 18 Echo. You like Echo? I, d I actually, Echo is a communication yeah, sergeant. So, you know, I yeah. tell people like medic never changes. Nerves. Yeah. Well, <laughs> medic never changes. Bravo doesn't change that much. Um, uh, Charlie doesn't change them. Echo changes all the time. Yeah. Almost constantly, constantly evolving. evolving. Yep. I had a guy, uh, went to be a dog handler in third group, came back to my team as an 18 Echo. He's the worst trained combo guy in the team. Like he could, he had a deep understanding of communication yeah. and wavelengths and all the that. The theory of line wave propagation. Yes, there you go. The most boring subject ever sat true. Yeah. Well, did you Morse code or was that gone? No, it was gone. It was gone. You're Thank just, goodness. You're just, <laughs> yeah. You're just messing with me now. No, no, no. I did. I don't, I can't remember when it yeah, went away. It, it, it probably it, wasn't much before then. Yeah. I can't remember. Yeah. I just, it, it's funny. Um, I'm, I'm glad that yeah. I didn't have to do yeah. that because yeah. like that, I, it would have started a lot of this, like, uh, you know, just the, the, to listen to beeps for, you know, how, however long it's like Sears school all the time. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a time to evolve. Right. Yeah. And there's a time. I mean, we were still doing a lot of, um, types of communications that I think were, I won't say our antiquated because yeah. uh, some of them but the radio systems and well, yes well, well, you're, like, you're also going to third world countries and training their military yeah, right so, so there is what they, mm, yeah. there is and a you don't point see that as an 18 no you don't in the course no you yeah. only see like you know what you're being trained but yeah. then to your point once you get out and do those missions yeah and, and, and those missions are coming back more and more ever like i've talked to the guys in SF now and they're like every, every new kid comes in he's like where's my MP5 and my black hood I want to go you know repel down a wall and, and kill bad guys well that's not what they <laughs> because that's the most realistic I know right? I say that people like, ask me all the time I'm like no the British did that in 1980 and the Iranian embassy and it became a template for yeah. decades later like 
Yeah, no, I I no. might maybe someday rappel onto a balcony and breach that way. Maybe well, I've done a but, lot of like descent breaching. Yeah, yeah, or or using it as an emergency exfil off a roof sure. that you Bail roped outs, onto, yeah. right? So, oh, but rappelling down and hanging out and shooting. We're like uh, ADD yeah. going all over. We're, we're, now <laughs> I know, we're I know, yeah, I yeah. yeah. Anyway, <laughs> um, so uh, eighteen echo is is. It's a constantly evolving one, yeah. and and I I think the decision to take out Morse code was good because there's so much other mm -hmm. many other, and it's just not common now. It's freaking computers and all kinds oh, no, of like stuff. They, yeah. So there's that whole, and this is when you ask about did you like being an 18 Echo or you know whatever. I'm gonna go ahead and say you asked me that. I did. I, okay, cool. <laughs> so like, all I can really think about about my 18 Echo experience or time on a team was, hey, is that printer set up? Mm, by yeah. the team sergeant or whoever yeah. and i'm like hey man no yeah like yeah. hold on a second like yeah. we just got here we're in a tent mm -hmm. and you want a printer set did up? guys on your team ask, like why ask you, are you did, printing so many things dude did guys ask you to put the frequency in their freaking oh yeah it's dude, like four buttons i would it's do well, that's the thing <laughs> where i would i think I liked being an 18 Echo because I would be like, all right, guys, mm. cross training. Yes. Let's go. Mm -hmm. Because you're going to do this yourself. Yeah. And and to the point where I would train my guys up to where like they could fill their own radios with, with you know, the, the freaks and the crypto and, mm -hmm. and everything. And, you know, I, I would trust them with, you know, a separate thing a device to mm -hmm. do it and i still had my like main device and, yeah and, and which is a big deal if you lose yeah, that it's thing. a huge yeah. deal <laughs> so i'm like you're not touching this plus mm. like you can literally fat finger that and then like somehow wipe it and it's mm. like oh sergeant like uh <laughs> i need you to ship me another one of these or whatever but and you're not like you know you're of course in some austere remote mm armpit of the earth and you know you need to the resources you have you need to safeguard and mm -hmm. protect and yeah. um you know that's that applies to a lot there but when it comes to combo specifically mm -hmm. i think that's what i loved about being an 18 echo is is the cross training mm -hmm. because man i i did i did a good job it's an 18 echo but i loved doing the training mm -hmm. like as uh, helping the bravos out with all the training and then um you know the the medic piece of it mm -hmm. like yeah I've that's just, on a good team you you'll train medical you'll train weapons you'll train yeah. commo you'll train engineer and demo and breaching I mean, and all any that. downtime you have yeah you know, during the the, the day mm -hmm. it's like let's do some some hip pocket training yep and mm -hmm. um you know with the right team and dynamic like mm -hmm. you can get extremely capable um proficient across different mos's and and um you know it's uh that's essential because you're so like on every missions I've, I've ever done with sf in, in afghanistan or Colombia, it's like uh you know you're one or two and then there's like a platoon of the partner force and then you're spread out over kilometers mm -hmm. you know, covering an area so yeah. you have to be able to complement in all your planning considerations like all right well who's more who's the most so we have a we have two deltas and we we can't have we can't make that four, so let's mm. put whoever's the most cross-trained, you know, with this element that doesn't have the delta, mm -hmm. and you know, so that the, all those considerations matter, and mm -hmm. and um, yeah, every team's different, but mm -hmm. I think the best teams I've ever been on were ones that we, when we weren't out on missions, we were training mm -hmm. like each other. So you went to seven group, 
Yeah, Septimo Group. Were they already in Florida? No. Yeah, they, no, still they, here. Were, they were still here. Yeah. Yeah, so they moved. So they moved to Florida around 2010? Yeah. Something no. like that? Okay, yeah. 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 Um, did you move with them? Or, no, or I, I stayed okay. here and, yeah. and yeah. moved over to special operations yeah. at, uh, mm-hmm. at USA Stock. Yeah, so, did you deploy with Seven Group? Yeah, I, I did um, the Columbia thing for six months. It was a JSET slash mm. counter-narcotics what, but actually, there was a lot of really interesting things happening with with, hostage, with hostages in the FARC. And, oh, I remember that. And, and yeah. in that time frame, mm-hmm. and we got to put to push all the way to the you know forward operating like base out there in the, in La Jungla or La Selva. And I remember, I can't remember the, San Jose, San Jose. Um, either way, there's a town that it was like a pueblo, a little like. Campesinos, so like cowboys and friggin', mm. you know, um, farmers and stuff. And but there was a river that basically kind of separated that's Farkland and this is mm. you know, Colombian military controlled area. Mm-hmm. And we went down there with the the Colombian uh, Lanceros, which are like what they what I would say is like the army ranger kind of. Um, they're quite well trained, right? Yeah. They've been trained by yeah. Seventh Group and, yeah, and uh, thirty others for, for yeah. years and years and I years. Mean, they they let know? like certain they let some of us go through their their Ranger School, their Lancero course, and mm-hmm. it's, anything. I haven't been to it, but I I've heard it's pretty you know pretty intense. And and you know, the jungle, everything's bad in the jungle. Yeah, everything. Yeah. And that was a very like the eye opening experience too, because these guys like take siestas every day. Yeah. At, like after lunch, mm-hmm. like, and you, you can be like, no, but the training plan yeah, says this. You, you, They're like, yeah, no, we'll see you at two. Yeah. You're like, you can't push okay. against that cultural thing. Yeah. Man. You can't put that. Well, American, you can try. Yeah. Right? You can try. You'll fail. And I, yeah. We've tried. It's so like, it's times. like working with indigenous in the Middle East, right? There's exactly. certain nuances there that you just have to go with, man. It's yeah. just the way they are. And embrace um, it. Taking a nap may be okay for you. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm just not a napper, <laughs> but I do yeah. appreciate like the full belly and before you run right into some physical activity. There you go. You know? That makes sense. Um, so like, yeah, so the Lanceros and then the jungle and the, and the Batallon de Commandos. So it's like their SF mm-hmm. guys. They were, there was a joint mission, but it was in preparation for some of the hostage negotiations stuff mm-hmm. they were doing. Yeah. So I was there around that time and, and it was really cool to see that. And, um, you know, and the, like you said, the jungle is a different beast. Like we, we, we were like, no, we're going to do night training. You have mm-hmm. night vision. We're night. We're, yeah. we're going to train out at night. And they're like, well, everything comes alive. They're like, at night. Nah, yeah. well, let me, let me yeah. just, they're like, okay, we'll show you. Yeah. And, uh, we did something and it was like, okay, this makes sense. Like in the jungle. Yeah. And we were trying to do just like react to contact or something yeah. lane. And it was like, all right, let's, uh, let's revamp this. And it made more sense about, you know, why they don't move yeah. you know, at, at, at you know, at night, mm-hmm. like it, it's, it's, um, or prefer you, you can't see anything. Mm. And it's like that can the triple canopy stuff where it's like, there is no daylight. There's mm. no like, um, ambient light. Ambient mm-hmm. light right. So your nods yeah. are just like, yep. You know, and, and it's, it's super humid too. Yeah, right. Yep. And, yeah. So yeah. you're essentially going in a file everywhere you go. And it's, so it was, it was eye opening from a training perspective. And then, you know, after that trip, I got to, um, deployed to Afghanistan a couple times and 
with completely different mission sets. So yeah. Like one, like one was training with the commando, third commando Kandak out of Kandahar, mm-hmm. direct action, kicking in doors. Go. That's a good mission. It right? was. It was a great yeah. mission. Yeah, yeah, it was really good. That's and, um. Because the Columbia thing was mostly training, right? Yes. But over there, it's train, assist, advise, and yeah. a company, especially yep. at that time. Um, how how were they at that? What year was that? Just 2000, um, 2009, 10. Okay, so you were under fairly restrictive ROE at that point. I, I know the ROE in Afghanistan went up and down over the years, yeah. but I think after 08, it got fairly restrictive. Yeah. And... Um, I, I don't know if that translated to commandos. Were you guys? Um, I don't think it really affected yeah, the, the yeah. commando because that that was the premier commando mm. force oh, yeah, out yeah, of all of them. Yeah. And, and I have to say, like, you know, they do this the cycles, right? So they're on training cycle, they're on ready cycle, they're mm-hmm. on leave, right? Mm-hmm. And the, all groups are not created equal, mm-hmm. you know. But a lot of it's it well, it's about leadership, mm. and and you just have good leaders and bad leaders, and you know, that's where culturally though it's, yes, it's a military, like, um, not hierarchy, I guess hierarchy, mm-hmm. but there's some familial like things that, that are tied into it mm-hmm. from like deep rooted. Yeah. And culture, I, I think SF, and, the SFQ course does a good job at that. And I, I, I think it's Robin Sage, right? You culturally, oh, yeah. you have to learn how to work with people, right? And you can't force this mechanism that mm-hmm. is just like me and Mike Glover did hits with the police in Baghdad. Mm-hmm. They'd steal everything on target yeah. <laughs> and you can try to stop them. Yeah. But the best you can hope for is please don't take the Intel. Don't take the phones and all yeah, the yeah. intelligence we need. Like yeah. you want to take the bad guys money. I don't care. Right. Because mm-hmm. culturally that they, they were just like poorly paid and I'm taking, yeah. you know, I don't care. Like, I don't yeah. care. Right. Um, same in Afghanistan, right. There, there, there's cultural norms there that you can work with. Mm-hmm. Or you can fight against, and and you're just not going to win. Like yeah. you, you have to learn how to be comfortable with chaos yeah. <laughs> and just work in in their culture. Well, I right? mean, a good example you just reminded me of is like on that trip. Like once again, it's two of us, a squad or a platoon of them, broken over eight kilometers, like for for missions, right? Mm-hmm. And not all of them were that spread out but this one in particular it was nighttime and we infilled and you know we were going into the compound and the guy that was with me the the other ODA guy was up front and I was in the the rear and they had the you know the commandos in between and this guy on the walk in this one particular you know commando Mm -hmm. Afghan commando like he was having trouble he was carrying the saw but it was like the, the shortened yeah, version. Yeah, yeah. Belt-fed belt fed yeah, machine gun. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, but the way that he was carrying it, I was like, hey, like I said something to him before mm-hmm. we even you got have it to up a, over his shoulder or, or something. Well, no, like yeah. he, I can't remember exactly, but it seemed very unsafe. Yeah. The way that he was flagging people or mm-hmm. um, like the configuration that he had it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember, oh, he had a chem light or something near the where he was holding it or slung it and i was like hey you need to be really careful with your kit and just like it being there mm-hmm. and it was because all you got to do is take it off of safe somehow and then that something mm-hmm. gets stuck in there and you just rip rounds right mm-hmm. and um because it fires from the open bolt so um the we went into this corridor or, or 
the, I guess the foyer of, mm-hmm. of this, this Afghan hut and it, it's channelized. So now we're kind of single file going through this thing and I just hear and I'm like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. So I run up there and I'm thinking we made contact inside this compound, but nope. Mm-hmm. He shot my mate. Oh, damn. Like, with a three round burst and shot him twice through the back of his leg. Damn. So mm. I like, and this was the medic. Mm. So mm. that's why we like, cross trained. Yeah. Yeah. So I started um, helping him, you know, self aid, buddy aid. And then I see this dude, like the Afghan commando, and he's sitting there and he's just kind of looking at me. And I was like, what the fuck? Mm. I, I like took, unloaded the saw and just like threw it. And I was like, you get outside right now. And then I had his squad leader or whatever, like get the platoon sergeant, platoon leader, like get him under control. Cause I didn't know if it was like Intended intentional mm-hmm. or not, you know? Yeah. And um, that was one of those things we'll sort out later. But yeah. right now, like you mm-hmm. are unarmed. Mm-hmm. We're, we're going to unarm you. And then, you know, focus on, focused on the casualty and then getting him, you know, packaged up. And him, him out of there. And then, you know, coming back though, back to the cultural thing, it's like the way that that leadership, the, the commander leadership, like handled that. Mm. Like we were like, hey man, this is a big deal. Mm. Like we, we can't operate with you guys if we can't trust you mm. to listen and, and apply the things that we're teaching you and training and on target. And it, it was very like, the platoon leader, I, I can remember his face and, and his, like, he was very like arrogant about it. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just like, you know, basically like inshallah, you know, God willing. Yeah. We'll, we'll, and I, I didn't fully, you know, understand, you know, religion and, and, and respect different, different types of religion. And, and as, a, as I do now, and, you know, it just it just hit me the wrong way when he mm. said that. It's like God willing, mm. like you no, hold on, mm-hmm. like that didn't make sense mm. to me. I'm like we're talking about something that, like he could have killed one of us, mm. and he definitely harmed one of us. So mm. it's like, what are you gonna do? Like, what are you gonna do? Like, what's your plan of action to like remedy this? Mm. And it was just like, oh, you know, whatever. We'll talk to him, and mm. then ah. yeah, you know, it, it was just very like. I'm like, hey, what if we did that to one of you? Mm-hmm. Like, like, first of all, do you realize what would happen to us as far as like discipline, yeah. discipline, mm-hmm. and then like remedial training if if you're worth salvaging? Yeah, you know, it, it's just it, culturally though, it's like I was getting my wheels spinning over mm-hmm. something that you just got to kind of take and try to work in and around the, the environment. But we're not going to instill U.S. Nah, cultures and not. values yeah. on. On other countries, mm-hmm. all we can hope, the best thing that we could hope is just live those yeah. in front yeah. of them and mm-hmm. they'll do what they want with yeah, it. Yeah, you just seek you be with me, then, okay, hit the target, shoot the bad guys, don't shoot me. Yeah. Anything anything else is a bonus at that point. Yeah, right? for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, this, was, this was not a bonus. They shot, yeah, they shot I my know, teammate. Right? I know, right? Like, oh, God, yeah. And that was at a, at a very bad time because other stuff going on. Okay, so yeah. Um, so second trip to Afghanistan in... in uh, in seven group, talking about that, was that a memorable trip? Like the first trip, did you look at it as a good trip? Like you yeah. accomplished stuff? Okay, yeah. good. No, I felt like yeah. it was a, a very productive trip for us as an ODA mm-hmm. working together and, and to see what we're, you know, 
capable of doing mm. in, in a more, you know, more dynamic type environment mm-hmm. and versus the, you know, Columbia J said it was mm-hmm. just, it's different, right? That's something people don't understand. Like even, even though SF groups are regionally aligned, when there's a war like Afghanistan and Iraq, most of the groups or if not all the groups go to play because there's just mm-hmm. so much work there. You can't put it all in one group who yep. are in that area, right? Yep. Um, so, I, yeah. I think the, um, well, I know the, well, before that next trip is when I got a, um, a whatever, a slot opened up. Somebody couldn't make it to shoot into Sodic. Mm-hmm. And I, I um sniper school yeah, yeah so yeah. that's is mm-hmm. special forces sniper course mm-hmm. and I was like yeah I'll, I'll do it I'll shoot in mm-hmm. and it was like a day before yeah or something yeah. so I was like what do I got to do yeah and um I went and like signed out a iron sight yeah or uh, no weapon yeah. M4 and um I was like I think I can shoot that tight and um because the standard right was yeah a, it was quarter I I'm not even sure where it came from but it was. You just shoot five groups of five rounds, mm-hmm. and I think three out of five had to be like a, yeah. a, a like in an inch or something like that. Yeah. We had a circle. That, I don't know. Yeah. And it was the same thing in Sephardic. I got into Sephardic because I went with a pistol and shot. I was mm-hmm. on a standby and got somebody else's slot. Yeah. And it, it just it went away because it was um, it was an attempt to bring people in who already could shoot. But if you're an SF, you should be able to shoot, right? But yeah. um, and but guys were coming from Okinawa. Coming to the first day, not, not shooting, shooting in. in and going home, right? Yeah. And sergeant major, group sergeant major were losing their minds. So yeah. that went away a little bit after. But at the time you came in, yeah, that yeah, was, it was the just thing. funny. Yeah. Like a lot of the schools that I had been to up to that point were just like targets of opportunity. Yeah. They're like, hey, yeah. this slot mm-hmm. you know, that isn't getting filled, can you do it? Mm-hmm. I, I did the Merlin course before yeah. that too, which was. Yeah. You know surveillance and close target reconnaissance. Did stuff. you do it here or it was in England? In, no. in, yeah, in, yeah. Um, outside of uh, mm-hmm. that was a phenomenal course. I hear right, I outside of Hereford. Yeah, no, it was, yeah. it was phenomenal. So like you had mm-hmm. you had the instructors. A lot of them were former SRR mm-hmm. and you know so a little bit of SAS. But they they these are the guys that were teaching that were that had you know case studies mm-hmm. the missions and and operations they did in Northern Ireland mm-hmm. and. Yep. Um, I think you might be a little familiar with a little bit or Northern Ireland, a little bit. bit. Either way, yeah. um, it, it was very like culturally and like just like a very great school because, yeah, we speak English, mm-hmm. but we do not like walk the same, no, talk the same. No, so for drive on the same, drive on the same, <laughs> same side of the road. <laughs> we drive on the right side of the road. Um, the so yeah it was it was a lot of fun though mm-hmm. and and it was it was very very cool to, to like be challenged in that type of way mm-hmm. but to the for the sniper school stuff it was also i was like man this this is something that like i could really get behind and that's where i met you mm-hmm. and um you know you could just see it how proficient that you and the crew were and mm-hmm. as as instructors and a very professionally ran course and um yeah, I really appreciated it. So I, I got back to my team and left to Afghanistan that trip. And we were we were doing this a different mission. It was the village stability operations, right? Mm. So it was like, hey man, take your team, go into this area that we've only ever, like as a US force, been on like maybe a night raid or mm-hmm. two or three, but no one's ever like went in and yeah. stayed, yeah. right? You're so, behind enemy lines. You really are. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So this one in particular, like 
there was a forward line of trace where it was like we once we reach this part or like across this hill it's on yeah every single day that we rotated our groups through there mm -hmm. but every single day you know because they had fixed fighting positions across the hillman river and they cleared out a village in this uh, small village in sartutu so i think it was in aruzgan but in between firebase tice and cobra there was a valley a valley called um the chutu valley and um you know they were pretty isolated up 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 north in the valley because mm -hmm. there was a massive mountain range that butted up against this huge Hel the Helman River, mm -hmm. and the only way around it was either to get on a um, a ferry makeshift like ferry, mm. you know, for commerce and things like that, or a footpath that people they would just load down these motorcycles and 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 that's how they would connect the two, you mm -hmm. know, to the, the city center. Mm -hmm. So Deirawood was, you know the main um, like city center there. And so either way, we wanted to push past that point and then kind of build back while another team from Cobra was doing the same from the north. Mm. So, um, but it, it, it was, it was like, it was, we were in firefights every single day mm. and I, and I'm like, just finished sniper school. So I'm mm -hmm. like, I'm about to, I'm about to clap somebody with this 300 wind mag. Mm -hmm. And uh, I didn't have a spotter. Because, and I was like, I really see the value in having a spotter. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, the, yeah. you you have it in the course for you know. Yeah. that's what sniper teams are yeah. for a reason. Mm -hmm. And so for me, for target identification, for you know transition, like all that stuff, and, and helping it, it, you, it's, it's like, more difficult than people think because you get a lot of them duking out of a building and, and firing a burst and then hiding again or putting a gun around a corner and shooting. Yeah. It's not like they stand out in the no, open no, and you have it, time to spot them and range them and shoot, right? Yeah, it, so I would develop like, it, I had my own position that I would sneak my hide. I'd like sneak mm -hmm. into, it wasn't a very good hide, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell why, I'll tell you why mm -hmm. in a minute, but. You mustn't be well trained. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. I went to this course, room. I don't know who was into I see or not, but it's Kevin. I might've Collins taught that class actually. But, um, no, I'm just a bad student. Mm -hmm. um, so the, uh, you know, they, they like dammed up the irrigation canals across the river mm -hmm. and, and like, we're running wheelbarrows and dishes in wheelbarrows down this trench. And mm -hmm. they had the vegetation to kind of cover from any like air, air assets mm -hmm. to, to see. And they built like these World War One style bunkers into these things. Mm -hmm. And they were using that. So you want to talk about standoff shooting, mm -hmm. like they were doing it. Yeah. And it was like really hard to pinpoint these, their positions. You know, we developed target reference points. And I remember one, one morning, I was just, I, would be, I was like, me, you know what? We're gonna do some stand too, and I was like, instead of them engaging today, mm -hmm. first, I'm yeah. just gonna send it. Mm -hmm. So I go down there, and I had planned it out, and I had synchronized everybody's positions, and I was like, all right, I'm gonna initiate this with a couple 60 millimeter mortars and a couple 81s, and and then we're all gonna get after it. Mm -hmm. And um, it it was like, it, it was great um to do that but it was like that type of environment where you we both had a that point it's almost like that demilitarized zone it's like you go out here and we mm -hmm. venture out into there at night or whatever and try to you know do what we could to to set the conditions but mm -hmm. the only way we were going to deal with this was to to get a get across that river and then clear that town and occupy it mm -hmm. so um they had cleared the villagers out of this town but across the mountain and the river was the main 
uh, it was Hasar. So that was the that was the place that was our endpoint. We wanted to get into there, build relationships, and then build out our site, our mm-hmm. village stability site. And we knew we had to take care of this in order to get to that. And this one night, we finally got all the resources. We did all the planning. We ended up doing a zodiac like river crossing, and uh, we were on dock team, so we knew, mm-hmm. we knew how to work with boats. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. naturally, of course. Mm-hmm. And um, so it was like it was um, interesting because you know under Nas at night. You know, us and our partner force spread out, you know, just got recent intel that they had been booby trapping all the doorways with uh, explosive devices. And and so we were like, all right, well, we're we're not going to go through the doors. We're going to mm-hmm. make our own doorways through the walls or go up and over. So ladders and, and charges and mm-hmm. stuff, explosive charges. But I remember when we like my position I got in a position with myself and my one of my teammates, and then you know we say we were four or five groups of two, and then uh, Americans, and then our partner force mm-hmm. spread out along this thing with different tasks for the foothold to to gain the foothold, and then um, an IED goes off, and I was like, and I hear a body just like thud mm. on the ground. It was like, but it was you know not it was probably a couple hundred meters from me, basically the next position over. And it was silence. And I was like, what is going on? Like nothing. But then I heard my teammates screaming, you know, just like it, just screaming, you know. And I went to go like run over there. And, you know, my other teammate is a, was the medic. And he's like, hold up. You know, he's kind of like, hold on a second. Because we had just cleared every path we took, mm. like my, with the minesweepers. And like, that's how careful we were getting into this position and so then it was like all right now how do i get back there to him you know safely mm-hmm. and um by the time i got over there the one of my other teammates from another position was on the scene and was already was working the tourniquet on his on his upper thigh but he had his leg was a, was essentially hanging on by the skin below the knee and every, it was you know completely like severed and and minus that whatever muscle tissue or whatever hanging onto it, but the the big the big there was a lot of leadership that I learned about other people and myself that in that moment because you know Ryan Hendrickson was the the guy who stepped on this pressure plate IED mm-hmm. going to grab the the interpreter from the doorway and when he did that like his weight set it off like mm. a crush wire mm. you know so with kid on everything we're heavier mm. and um they know that so i'm i'm looking at him he's lost a lot of blood at this point and you know but but my other teammate got that tourniquet on and then we started work going to work the medic got there and then but the team sergeant was the one with him like with the with ryan mm-hmm. you know and by the when i came around there like and saw him like he he was on his knees, still, still like pulling the plastic off of his tourniquet. Oh my god! And I was mm-hmm. like, "Damn!" I, it was it was like one of those visuals mm-hmm. where I, I saw it, and I was like, "What the fuck?" Mm-hmm. And I, but it, like, all right, the stash I stashed it in my mind for a minute, mm-hmm. and then was like right into to Ryan, mm-hmm. and you know, um, there was so many different things, but it was like we didn't have a litter. Mm-hmm. You know, because we had to pick and choose what we're taking over with yep. us, knowing that we're going to be able to, we're going to have to stay there, 
but we're going to resupply ourselves. But either way, and Ryan didn't even know this. Like mm-hmm. I talked to him about this on a, on an Instagram live recently because mm-hmm. he, he wrote a book called tip of the spear. Highly recommend it. It's not just a bunch of war stories, but he's telling it from a human like standpoint and a great, great book, great human being. But he, you know, we didn't have a, a litter, so we didn't even have a Polish litter. Mm-hmm. Not a Polish. Not a, so yeah, a, a litter is a stretcher. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. litter. Mm-hmm. So it's not mm-hmm. a Polish litter. Yeah. Polish. It, no poles. Yeah, yeah. No poles. No yeah. poles. Yeah. So, so, but it has handles, right? So yeah. it's effective. It's better than a pinch. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. what, what did I do? Fire like, carry. Grab a blanket. No. Well, yeah. we, someone had a whoopie. Yeah. So we put them on the whoopie, and that thing probably lasted. There's no grips on it. Yeah. But it probably lasted. You know, we had whatever four or six of us on it. Mm. Two hundred meters. And it ripped. Mm-hmm. And then that's when I was like, you know what? I, I told um, the team sergeant, I'm not going to say his name, but I was like, hey, get get the birds to come in here. Mm-hmm. Like, we can't move this guy any further. Why can't they come in, like, right here? That's mm-hmm. a perfect HLZ. Like, why won't they? Mm-hmm. And, and he, was, he just was froze. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hey, make a decision. Mm-hmm. And he didn't. And I went, yeah. fuck it. This is what we're doing. Yeah. And I picked him up and I put a fireman carried him for about another 800 meters, man. And, and synced it up to where like he went right onto the, I put him right onto the helo. Like I laid him on the helo and said goodbye to him. And I honestly didn't know if I was going to see him again, mm. you know? And, um, I, uh, you know, but I had to turn turn around and then go back and finish this yeah. mission. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I don't know. There was a feeling that I think about now that just kind of, of just like, you know, just worry and, and like, you know, being, feeling like sad, you know, about the fact that my teammate, mm. you know, could, could potentially die. And, and what if it was because we didn't do something, you know, and, and, do something more like faster or the right way. And, mm-hmm. and I mean, we, we splinted his leg together with his buttstock of his M4 mm-hmm. and an ACE wrap, mm-hmm. like, and try to get it as straight as we could. But, you know, ultimately there's, a, there's a lot of leadership stuff that happened on there on the mm-hmm. battlefield and, and, um, of what not to do and what like to yeah. do in those types of situations. It's, it's funny because people think that it's all about rank, right? In, in, in an emergency, Whoever steps up and takes charge, people listen to them because they want to live, right? Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You say, do this, do this, do this. It doesn't really matter, right? Yeah. Um, and we are very good at training leaders in the military, but that, that unfortunately does happen sometimes, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, the uh, Afghanistan was a tough fight. It really no, was. it was, yeah. man. Mm-hmm. And that was a really long trip because- yeah, we we took that village and we cleared probably mm-hmm. twenty seven IED booby traps mm-hmm. throughout of it throughout mm-hmm. it, and then the people c- finally came back into their homes because they were like, well, I guess they are staying because mm-hmm. at first they were like, yeah, whatever, yeah. we're not going to do this because you're going to just like leave yeah. tomorrow or whatever, and then mm-hmm. Taliban's going to come like torture us. Yeah, but um, very interesting type of trip, more more of a traditional, or I guess, more of an unconventional. Yeah, you know, it's the same building rapport. Yeah, you know, it's kind and, of the same TTP that was used in Vietnam with the yeah. village, the, you know, the, the the hamlets and the village stability and yeah, moving yeah, into the yeah. villages and yeah. then taking the people out. Of the, yeah, it, it's uh, you cannot blame the people in Afghanistan for for 
you know, we go in, we roll in and out of these villages and we hand out footballs and radios and, and stuff like that. And then we're gone, right? And the, mm. the, the, the Taliban come in and kill people yeah. if they even if talk they to us, them, you yeah. know? Yeah. How, do you, how do you fight? I mean, how as a villager, mm. who would you stand with? Yeah. You know, it, it's, 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 it's survival. Yeah. Yeah, no, it really absolutely. is. Absolutely. It's um, funny. In, the, in, the, in that environment, like everything that you're doing, you know, you're thinking about the problem the problem, what is the problem, right? The problem is that we need to build rapport mm-hmm. and they, we need them to believe that we're actually there to help, mm-hmm. you know, and like, that's our agenda. And, you know, a lot of it culturally is about money and this and that, but at the end of the day, like my own little IO campaign or media or, uh, um, propaganda campaign, I, I would like First of all, we were out there just like, there was nothing to do. We didn't mm-hmm. have showers. Like I would take a bath in the home river and like, I would go for runs in ranger panties with a tourniquet around my waist, like extended out. Mm. My waist was a little smaller back then, <laughs> but, but, and then a frag grenade in one hand, my pistol in the other. Mm. And they thought I was the craziest person <laughs> on this planet. Yeah. I would just be running through this village and they'd be like, mm. what the hell? Mm-hmm. But I mean, it, it's just showing that I'm not afraid. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not afraid of this. Like we, you know, need to be able to operate and we're here, you know, mm-hmm. like not just operate. We, I mean, we, the collective, we, mm-hmm. you guys need to be able to farm. You need to be able to like do, do, you know, provide for your families. And mm-hmm. we're here to, and we ended up building like a massive road that connected, that opened up lines of commerce that hadn't happened since the existence of that area. Yeah. You know, next, because of just, they didn't, it, it was like a massive undersailing, but mm-hmm. you know, so there was some really good that came out of it. And I think with Ryan, like he actually wrote a note when he was in at whatever point in his recovery, like right off the bat, like he wrote a note to Erica and was like, I just wanted to thank you for supporting your husband, Kyle. Like he, he is my hero. And, mm-hmm. He saved my life and you know i think he was still high on drugs but <laughs> like it wasn't me that saved his life it was a collective effort mm-hmm. you know and making decisions you know yeah. when they needed to be made but the doctor said i mean he would have bled out had the tourniquet not been put on when it did mm. and then the way that we packaged his leg and and god bless the medic for doing it, the way he did it mm. they actually were able to salvage his limb oh. they like mm-hmm. rerouted connected all the things and mm-hmm. tissues and vessels and nerves and, and and he ended up going back to a team and redeploying three more times wow that's crazy yeah that's yeah. crazy what's the book called tip of the spear uh, tip mm-hmm. of the spear yeah yep. ryan hendrickson um i'm in the book a couple of times but he just says kyle good for you yeah all right but um, it, yeah, it's yeah. funny all right let's say let's jump forward to you were in molly in 2015 real quick and yeah. um Basically, uh, without getting into specifics, you are there training people and and liaison. You're a liaison with special operations in the embassy. Mm-hmm. And seven o'clock in the morning ish, yeah, you get a phone call. Yeah, so you know, I I, I was by myself um, on this mission, and when I say by myself, only person from my organization, mm-hmm. and you know, my my job was wearing a suit every day, going to the embassy, and you know basically briefing the ambassador on different things going on in the country and just kind of updating, you know, mm-hmm. and informing, you mm-hmm. know, so, cause I mean, it, Molly, I, don't, I don't think most people realize Molly wasn't even jacked up Molly. Yeah. Is. I was say, it's like Molly is a breeding ground for terrorism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is because 
it well the trance of hell is just like smuggling routes all mm -hmm. the different whether it was tobacco or what they've been doing humans. for mm -hmm. humans yeah like they they have these net networks that you know when you bring terrorism into it they they just took them over yeah you know mm -hmm. now they're in control mm -hmm. and they're just training and and, and rebuilding so al-qaeda is yeah. out there rebuilding and now isis like mm -hmm. and you know not going to get political but the we had a way to at least a proposal to be able to like build some sort of force or whatever to, the host nation force that can combat this internally because mm -hmm. they didn't have the ability to mm. um so france the france france was the kinetic yeah you know, like they yeah. that is like france their have Afghanistan. Done a, i mean they have a history in mali anyway but yeah. they, they have they have done a lot of operations in in mali like yeah. a lot yeah I, I consider it like their afghanistan for yeah like for us you mm -hmm. know and and um you know so they they um it, but the u.s doesn't have it didn't have the appetite or doesn't so we, we you know this is we just kind of advise right mm -hmm. and, and you know the state department's doing their mission and god bless them for being across the world doing you know trying to help you know bring american democracy ide ideology or uh you know values and principles uh, you know to, to a countries that that want it or or want to learn from it or whatever and and help build other countries up but you know i'm sitting in my house because of course i was up at 7 a.m and uh no i actually mm -hmm. woke up to, i woke up to this phone call at mm -hmm. 7 7 10 in the morning and um it was from a member of the country team and they notified me of there had been an attack and, and explosions they think there's five to eight um gunmen that ran into the hotel shooting the you know shooting the whole place up from what looked like embassy driver vehicles mm. like that because the embassy drivers show up every morning to pick up all the, the temporary duty people that are staying at different places and then take them to work so you know that's the call i got mm. and they were like hey can you can you also go next door and see if because one of the leadership from the country team was next door, my next door neighbor, we can't get a hold of him. Can, mm -hmm. you, can you see if he's like up or make him aware of this? So as as that phone call happened, I, I'm already grabbing my kit, laying, you know, pulling out the things I need. And then as I'm going over to my neighbor's house, I'm calling the Marine Special Operations. There's There was two that were working at the embassy mm -hmm. um, doing a different mission, but you know they were marsoc guys mm -hmm. so and and we had a good relationship so i said hey between them and then the rso regional security officer um i had him like hey let's rally in front of my house i'm gonna go next door and check on so and so and then we'll come up with a plan mm -hmm. like it wasn't even like it wasn't like hey we're going in the hotel mm -hmm. right now it was like i didn't have to say it it was implied mm -hmm. by the way that i was like kind of laying it out mm -hmm. Like I was like, grab your kit, grab your guns, meet me at my house, and then we'll assess the situation. Um, I'm going to check on so and so. And when I went over there, I knocked on the door, and he answers the door like his briefs, and he's on the phone, and he's like, "I'm like, hey, I'm like, I interrupted him. I'm like, hey, there's been an attack," and he's like, "Oh, I know. I'm on the phone with one of our guys that we have in that staying in the hotel right now," mm. and I was like, "Hell yeah." I was like, okay, like, can I get his name, cell phone number, room number? 
And the, the guy looked at me and was like, why? Mm. And I was like, because I'm going to go get him. Mm. Like, that's a start point for me. Mm -hmm. I'm like, that's the first person I can go straight to. Mm. First American. I'm like, boom. So it, it just like I could see him kind of baffled by the way of like the way I was kind of like, mm. like breaking that down. And mm. and he was after I said that, he's like, oh, yeah, OK. Yeah. <laughs> so he, you know, he had given me like basically three Americans, you know, and, and room numbers. Mm. And that was kind of, I took that, did a, a mad minute huddle and the hotel was only, I'd been in country for three weeks. Mm. So I need, was just getting my bearings, mm. but blue bearing solutions, <laughs> um, was, uh, was, um, 600 meters from the, from wh where I lived oh. for the mission. And, mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah, I did a, we kind of leapfrogged around in a vehicle and then dismounted, walked up to the last cover and concealment. And then, you know, as I'm, as we're walking up, you know, things are kind of developing out more, right? We're getting phone calls um, from the embassy, mm -hmm. like the MSG, the Marine security guards are calling the RSO. And that's when they said that this guy, Terry, was in a room on fire, hiding underneath a table and they're shooting over top of him. Please come help me. Mm -hmm. And that's when I was like, okay, so-and-so, Mike, I was like, hey, do you know the RSO? I was like, do you know where, do you know exactly where that room is? And he's like, yeah, it's like, it's the buffet breakfast banquet room. And I was like, okay. And he's like, it's on the second floor. And I was like, all right, if you can tell me like how to get there, we'll go right into that and get him and then come back out. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he had to ask the ambassador and then the ambassador was super um, reluctant at first. And then I was like, I think we put him on speaker and I just laid it out. I was mm -hmm. like, hey, this, this guy is in a room that's on fire and the attackers are, are close, but he's going to die if we don't do something about mm -hmm. it. And I can lead us with, with Mike telling me where, where exactly this place is, I can go straight into that room mm -hmm. and get him out. Mm -hmm. And I think that, that was, and he was like, okay, all right, go ahead. Okay. And, and I, I hate to do this, but we're out of time. Oh, people are like, no, there's going to be a second part of this, right? <laughs> and I'm taking direction from my boss. Mike Glover is going to interview you again yeah. on this whole thing, start to finish. Okay. So I, I think it's a really good segue. Um, it's a good place to stop. And uh, we're, we're going to pick it up, hopefully pretty soon. Yeah. And Mike's going to talk, Going to uh, we're going to do a second part, and we're going to go through this whole thing, start to finish, because this story has really never been told. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm super excited for it, but I hate to do this because <laughs> I want to hear it. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, there will be a second part. Kyle, talk. What's your uh, Instagram? Your company? Let's, let's talk about that real quick. <clears throat> yeah. So, um, Blue Bearing Solutions is the company I have started. It is a uh, training um, and shooting instruction, tactical training, and you know, a separate kind of endeavor is leadership, professional development, but more specifically, like that team building event bespoke plan planned backside backsided logistically a, a professional event that's you know putting people into positions that they're not necessarily in and then you know 
assigning tasks that build on themselves over uh, with for an, towards an objective, a goal, right? And but to get there as a team, mm-hmm. and then changing out leaderships throughout, and you know, it, it's it's really going to be a good a great type of event that's not necessarily you know just you know going to the to the woods and doing trust falls right that's mm-hmm. you know there's 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 a lot of things that i've learned and we've learned in in combat or training for combat about leadership mm-hmm. and i think one of the things that i've figured out recently is by doing the internships in cor- corporate america space like there is so much value that we can bring mm-hmm. you just have to see it and then once you start believing it then it's like you know corporate america could be for you or it could be something like for me doing this is going to allow me to 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 impact that space but not commit me to being in corporate america yeah mm-hmm. but i think it's something that brings me joy and 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 it's also something about you know like motivational speaking i want to try to get into that as far as leadership and empowerment but more importantly like resiliency mm-hmm. you know because at the end of the day like I am in my own recovery and that's, that's ongoing, mm-hmm. you know, and I have to stay as vigilant as I did on the battlefield for missions about this, mm-hmm. you know, this is my new fight, right? Next mission, man. It's yeah. The next mission. But it's so blue bearing solutions on Instagram. Yeah. Blue bearing. So it's blue underscore bearing underscore solutions. And, you know, please like, uh, or please follow. And, and the website is blueberrysolutions.com. It uh, is in a, I'm, I'm building it out phase where I can put some course offerings and some apparel. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start, um, trying to do some pre-sales on some apparel stuff mm-hmm. and got some different ideas and things that, uh, for different types of, yeah, I, I really like clothing. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's one of those things that it's like, wow, it's like, you know, active streetwear, right? Mm-hmm. I'm interested in that. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, but the course offerings piece is huge because it's not, necessarily a part of the website yet um i've been focused on more of like the private you know email me let's mm-hmm. set up a group um shooting instruction or you know let's uh, even the vi- video conferencing like mm-hmm. kit assessment gun gun reviews mm-hmm. or you know dry fire drills everyday carry considerations mm-hmm. configurations like those are those are some of the offerings that i'm going to roll out and mm-hmm. um you know some of that you can do remotely so mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll put the links in the in the the notes of the podcast okay. down below. So yeah. I appreciate you being in here, and uh, Mike Glover's going to pick this up here okay. and tell the next chapter. And I can't wait. I can't believe he 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 uh, what do you call it? He blocked me, man. He freaking you know. Yeah, what I mean? yeah. He really go. Oh, I want to do that. And I'm like, damn, dude, <laughs> he's here. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Kyle, appreciate you coming no, on. Thanks, Kyle. And until the next time, stay alert, stay alive. Mm-hmm.